You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. We're on the fourth of a series that I've been doing over the summer here, and uh, it's uh, called uh, Destiny. This is Destiny 4, and uh, the subject is commitment. In uh, John chapter 15, verse 23 to 26, you'll also notice that over the summer I haven't been using any uh, overheads. I'm taking advantage of the, of the uh, pastor being gone. When the cat is away, the mouse plays, right? <laughs> so, um, so it takes a little bit off. You know, you know it takes almost as long to uh, do a PowerPoint as to do a whole sermon. So, <clears throat> Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each one of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent, who sent me. I am telling you, telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Father, we just ask you to bless your word to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. I enjoy listening to uh, stories about people who will not just not give up. Those who stay the course, even though the, the going gets tough. I once read of a, a young man who applied for a job as a farm hand. When the farmer asked for his qualifications, he said, I can sleep through a storm. This puzzled the farmer, but he liked the young fellow, and he figured, okay, I'll I'll give him a try. After about a week on the farm, the farmer and his wife were awakened one night by a violent storm that was blowing through. And they got up immediately and started running around the farm uh, looking to see if everything was secure. They found that the shutters to the house, the farmhouse, was, was closed. The, all of the farm implements were in the sheds and the doors were safely closed. The uh, animals in the barn were all safe and secure. They went back and looked into the young man's room and he was sound asleep. And the farmer then understood what the young man meant when he said, I can sleep through a storm. He did his work, he was committed to his work, and he knew that whatever would take place that night, barring a tornado or something like that, Everything was safe. This story illustrates a principle that we would do well to learn ourselves. 
Think of the man who came to Jesus and said, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied to that man and said, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man do not have anywhere to lay his head. In other words, Jesus was saying, If you want to follow me, I want you to know that there's going to be difficult and discouraging times. So if you're prepared for the difficult times along the way, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. If you're going to follow me, follow me to the end. Be committed. When people began their Christian life, then later quit. When the going gets tough, when some difficult times come in their life, instead of putting their hope and their trust in Christ, they just turn their back on God and blame God. When that happens, a person becomes an object of ridicule, and others become a source of discouragement. But God wants us to follow him no matter what. When we become born-again believers, it doesn't mean that we get an out from the problems of the world. We're going to face the same things that the ungodly face. But there's one big difference. We've got God on our side. We've got a God who cares. Not only that, but he encourages us to ask him, to pray, to seek his face. And he promises that he will answer us. There are some signs to a healthy church. The early church is a great example of this. They were committed to the word and to discipleship. And so should we. They were committed to prayer. And so should we. They were committed to evangelism. Sharing the gospel so that other people would know Christ just as we do. And that's what we should be doing. You see, a healthy church is made up of healthy, faithful people. Vance Havener, he was a a Baptist preacher, and he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he was uh, on on radio. You could just about any time turn on radio and hear him uh, every day of the week for many, many years. And this is what he said. He said, the plight of churches uh, shows up not only in creed, but also in conduct. The sermon on Sunday is denied by the way most church members live all week. Now, he didn't pull any punches. He said, the greatest scandal of Christianity is the low grade of Christian living. There are more professing Christians now than ever, but the quality does not keep up with the quantity. Wow. 
It's a lot easier for a pastor to read what somebody says like that than to, to say it, you know. But I, I've got to say amen to, to what Ben Sabner said. A healthy church is made up of available people. You don't need to come to God and say, Lord, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. Just lay it on. I'm ready. I know it all. But you will need to be available. And when we become available to God, he makes us able. He'll open up doors for us. And although we may think, you know, like it's going to be difficult for me to do this thing. Yet I'm making myself available to God. And Lord, if this is what you want, then I will do it. And it's amazing how God intervenes and helps you to be what he wants you to be. A healthy church is made up of teachable people. Every once in a while, I'll meet up with somebody who wants to preach to me. And uh, although it's encouraging sometimes to see the excitement that, uh, that's in a person's life, we all need to be in that place where I can learn something from everyone else. I have learned very much from people in the congregation over my years. But we need to be teachable. We need never get to a place where you know it all. Because none of us know it all. We're always learning. And so uh, a healthy church is made up of people who are have their ears and their eyes open, ready to learn new truths from the Word of God. The healthy church is made up of worshiping people. God loves to be around people that worship Him. And when we reach out our hearts and our hands and our voices to the Lord, He loves that. And it strengthens us, it encourages us. When you come into church service and everyone begins to participate in the worship service, it's encouraging to every heart. If only one person is, is praising God and shouting and raising their hands, it's very discouraging. But when everyone is sensing the same power and the presence of God as you are, and everyone is just openly worshiping God, there is something that takes place within the room that binds us together and strengthens us and encourages us. And we leave the service that day a little different than when we came in. A healthy church is made up of serving people. People that are willing to serve, serve others. Serve the Lord by serving in the local church. Serve the Lord by serving in the community. Being the kind of people that God wants us to be. Someone has said that the pathway to hell is paved with good intentions. I want you to know that good intentions is not commitment. Good intentions is not commitment. John Maxwell in his book, Be a People Person, states, until I'm committed, there is a hesitancy, a chance to draw back. But the moment I uh, definitely commit myself 
then God moves also, and a whole steam of events erupt. All manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, persons, and material assistance, which I could never have dreamed would come my way, begin to flow forward toward me the moment I make a true commitment. And that's very true. Once we make that commitment to Christ and we, and we prove that we are serious about serving God, it's amazing the things that God brings in our pathway, the tools that he puts in our hand to help us to be the men and women of God that he wants us to be. How badly do you want to reach the potential and fulfill your true destiny in life? It will take the passion of commitment on your part to keep growing, learning, and going forward. I want to just talk for a moment on the importance of commitment. If we are committed to the Lord and his word, we will endeavor to follow his direction in how we act and how we react with each other. Commitment to Christ means commitment to his work and to each other. This is totally necessary for Christians. In Acts 2 and 4, we see an example. They worship together, 246 rather. They worship together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. That sounds like a community that is in fellowship with one another and in fellowship with God. And that's the kind of people we, we will find ourselves to be when we become committed. I am most fulfilled in fellowship when I commit my life to Christ. And even when I grow cold in my experience, I find that my desire for fellowship is one of the first things to go. I'd rather be alone than with the people of God. That has always been a, a thermometer in my life. Many times I've found myself getting cold in my experience with God. One of the things that I found cropping up quickly would be condemnation. I could find fault with what the pastor was preaching. I could find fault with my neighbor, I could find fault with my wife, I could find fault with just about anything and everything. And all of a sudden, I would get this check in my spirit. And the Holy Spirit would remind me, I haven't been reading my Bible lately. I haven't been praying lately. I haven't been entering in to worship in the in the local church service lately. I've been just coasting. And the more I coast, the more I become a person that's undesirable to be around. In Romans chapter 6, verse 13, we read, Paul is writing to the Romans and he says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God 
as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. So that tells me I should have the attitude that I will not sin with my lips. I will not sin with my ears. I will not sin with my eyes. I will not sin with my hands. I will not sin with my feet. And if I do, I will be quick to ask God to forgive me. That's the way you stay on the right path. If you may make excuses for your sin, if you just brush it over and say, oh, well, you know, that's just once, God will forgive me. You're going to find out that you're going to let down the standard and you're going to be doing the things that were sin to you a year ago will not be sin anymore. And you'll become insensitive to the Holy Spirit. Your conscience will become seared. And the very thing that broke your heart at one time will not hinder you anymore, will not bother you anymore. Has the Bible changed? No. Have I changed? Yes. And just because I change, don't change the word of God. And so we need to be committed to him, committed to his word, and allowing him to work his will and his promises in our lives. Commitment to Christ means commitment to his work and to each other. How do I make a total commitment to Christ? Commit everything you do. Psalms 37.5 says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him to help you to do it. And he will. Amen? God just desires for you and I to ask for help. He don't want us to say, Okay, I can do this on my own. Call out to him for help. Ask him to help you in your Christian walk. If you've got a difficulty in your life, if, you've, if there's something that causes you to, to feel condemned or, or, or convicted in your life, talk to God about it. Say, Lord, this is a thing that I, don't, I just don't want this in my life anymore. Lord, help me. And he will. It's reassuring to know that we're not alone. God is with us and God is for us. He wants us to succeed. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, For it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. The Bible says that the engrafted word is able to save your soul. James 1.21 The word that, that sticks in your soul, sticks in your heart, Sticks in your mind. The enemy don't mind the word that flies over your head. For instance, when I'm preaching and there's something that's taking place that's distracting you, you're thinking about something, you're thinking about work, you're thinking about something that happened this week or something that you've got to do next week, or you're thinking about the, the roast that you got in the slow cooker and you're thinking, 
oh, did I, did I turn that thing on before I left home? Now I got some of you thinking, right? <clears throat> but the devil don't mind when he's got your mind somewhere else. The word is going forth, but you just miss it. You're talking to someone next to you, or you're writing a note or something, and you, and you just miss it. The devil don't mind that. That's great stuff for him. You can say, well, I was in church on Sunday. What do you hear? I don't really know if I heard anything, but I was there. Good worship, anyway. And so, uh, the only thing that's going to help you is the engrafted Word of God. You see, when something takes place in your life, when you're having a difficulty in your life, now here's the difference. If you don't have the word engrafted in your, in your life, when something comes, you're going to be coming to me and you're going to say, Pastor, I need a word from God. Lord, I, I, need, I need help. Give me a scripture. Give me a scripture that I can stand on. But when that word is engrafted in your heart, when you know it, it's, it's become a part of you. You can stand on that word. You, you do, you're not asking, is this true or, or is it hearsay or whatever? This is God's word. It's engrafted in me. I'm a part of it. It's a part of me. I can believe God for healing. I can believe God for salvation for my family. I can believe God for a restoration in my marriage. Whatever it may be, I can believe God. It's engrafted. I know what the Word of God says. I don't just know it in my head, but it's engrafted in my very life. The only thing that's going to help is the engrafted Word of God, that which sticks in the and is attached to you, to your innermost being. Now, if you have a skin graft, the surgeon takes the skin from one part of your body, and sometimes even something else, somewhere else, but he places the, 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 this, part, this new part on the injured area, and when the healing is complete, the grafting takes place, and it becomes a part of what was not there before. Amen. We've got to find some Kleenex. The old man's nose is starting to run. There's one thing, young people, you're going to have to be, be one day to, to uh, that's one of the things you're going to inherit. Amen. Don't worry about it, it's all good. So, when I preach the Word, or you study the Word, or you listen to the Word on tape, or, or, or read a book or whatever that has the Word, or read the Bible, um, this miracle takes place. The Word you read, it will, it will take a love that you didn't have, a peace that you didn't have, a power that you didn't have, a, a confidence that you didn't have, and, it, and, and it'll graft into your personality, and you become a new person. You begin, to, you begin to think differently, because now it's not just something that you've heard. It is something that is a part of you. It's a, it's a, you know it in your knower. Amen? 
The engrafted word of God has instilled within you a biblical principle that works for all who believe. The engrafted word of God is able to save your soul, heal your body, restore your finances, heal broken relationships, clean up your life. In fact, it can make a respectable person out of one who has lost everything but their physical life. I have seen that happen so many times. I've seen people who've been basically on skid row. Nothing left. No respect left. Nothing. Lost their, their possessions. Lost their family. Everything is gone. All they have is the breath that they're breathing. And God got a hold of their life. Somebody shared Jesus with them. God got a hold of their life. Some of them even became preachers of the gospel. That's what God can do. It doesn't matter how far a person has gone. You can look at somebody who has got their brain fried on, on, on drugs. They can be captivated by alcohol for years. And God can take that person, and just as he can heal a sick body, he can take away the craving for alcohol and the craving for drugs and all of the addictions, and all of that can go in a moment of time. And God can change that person, give them a whole new life, give them a family, give them everything back, just like Job had it all back, and it was better than it ever was before. That's what God can do. And that's why we preach this gospel. That's why we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, if you would get into the word, you would graft into your character faith to believe for healing and renewal for you and those of yours. You would not be bound by fear and unbelief because the engrafted word is more than hearsay. Grafting takes time to grow and heal and bond to become one. And if you have to keep the and you have to keep the area clean to prevent infection. Amen. You cannot come to church, receive a little blessing, and immediately walk in faith and power and victory. When you come in church and the Holy Spirit is moving and everybody is worshiping and the power of God is here, you're going to feel blessed. You're going to go out feeling pretty good. You feel like you could remove a mountain while you're in this building. But when you go outside, the same devil is out there trying to attack you, trying to get you down. And by the end of the week, you're going to find yourself in the same mess you was before you came in last Sunday. Amen? It takes time. It's a lot of up and down. There's a lot of reopening the wounds and all of that stuff that goes on. But you've got to keep it clean or you're going to get infected. Amen? Now i got to find out where I was at here. I touched my finger on this little electronic device. The mini iPad. 
So you can't come to church, receive a little blessing, and immediately walk in faith and power and victory. Jesus said, you are clean by the word. Okay? You are clean by the word. Now, if you don't apply the word, you're not going to be clean. Just like if you don't apply soap, you're not going to be clean. Right? So you've got to apply the word to be clean. And you've got to continuously apply the word. Okay? This applies to all areas of our life, our church, our home, at work. It's about relationship with God and people. You cannot have relationship without uh, mutual exchange. You can't have it. You can't have a good marriage just to get and not give. A marriage, a good working marriage, is giving and receiving. And it's not tit for tat. I mean, it's not, you know, you punch me, I punch you. You give me a black eye, I'll give you one. It's not that. But we're talking about the good things, too. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus to get and not give. You can't have all of the blessings that go on in a, in a good Pentecostal service where everything is flowing, the Spirit is moving, you're dancing freely, you're clapping your hands, you're waving your hands, you're speaking in tongues, you're having a, a glorious time. There's a practicality to being a Christian. And you've got to give to the Lord in every way, not just in your, your finances. You've got to be there ready to give of your time, your talent, and your things. Okay? You've got to be willing to give some time to God's work. You've got to be willing to give your talent to God's work. If you can sing, then sing for the Lord. You know, some of the best singers sing in the shower. They never, ever give their, their talent to the Lord. But they sing like nightingales in the shower. And your things. I don't have to elaborate on things. You know what things are around here, right? Tithes and offerings. Possessions. Amen? So I'm going to conclude today. You and I will never know the destiny that God has planned for us unless we're going to be committed to him. Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. King James Version says, will obey my commandments. Amen. Proverbs 3, 6 in the Living Bible says, In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Stand with me, will you? Are the worship team ready today or we got back there? Whichever you... 
Amen. Praise the Lord. We love our, our worship teams. They're so precious. And they're so committed. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of commitment. What you see on Sunday morning, they don't just come in and pick up their music and start playing. They're here for practice. They're practicing at church. They're practicing at home. They're praying and seeking God's face. Every area of church should be the same way. I pray over my, my little talk when I'm giving the offering. I pray over what scripture I'm going to use for the offering. I pray over my message. I pray for wisdom that if somebody comes forward for prayer this morning, that God will fill my heart and my mind with wisdom, that I will speak words of wisdom if there's a word of wisdom to be spoken. That I'll be in tune with the Spirit to pray what needs to be prayed for that situation. We're coming up. You realize that the year is half over. We're starting the second half now <clears throat> of this year. And usually the fall and winter is the most productive time within the church. This is, we're going through the lazy part of the year now. I, I just trust that some of the messages that the Lord has laid on our, on our hearts, all of us that have been preaching, it's, it's amazing to look at what God has laid on the hearts of everyone. And I trust that we've taken away something from that that's going to help us as we start the, the second half. In the second half, just like football, right? Now, Let's, let's determine before God. Before God. Not, not before me. Not before Pastor Lance. But before God. Lord, I'm going to be truly committed to what you want me to be this fall and winter. I'm going to give everything that I can so that your gospel can go forth. That I can be the best that I can be that I can touch more hearts for you. Showing yourself to be what God wants you to be, not only in church. I hope you don't, I hope you don't get, go away with the idea that what I'm talking about is just for in church. It's just as important to be committed on your job. It's just as important to be committed in your home. Every area of our life should be a life of commitment. Whatever you do, the Bible says, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. 
Let's be the people that God can use. Are you here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior? Why don't you ask him to come into your heart today? Why don't you just come up here? I'll pray with you. And I'll make sure that you get a good foundation in starting your life with Jesus Christ. You know you need him. Life is not worth living without Jesus Christ. Life is too short to go through and never experience the blessing of being born again. If you want Jesus into your life today, you come and I'll pray with you. If you want healing for your body, it doesn't matter what the doctor said. Jesus is here. When he went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came representing Jesus Christ. And he comes to dwell within your heart. He wants to come in today. Open up your life to him. You'll never be sorry that you did. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.